0: Welcome to an overdrive version of the Russian Rulers History Podcast. Today's episode will be on the Christianization of the Rus according to the Primary Chronicle. Now the Primary Chronicle is the oldest known writings we have about old Kievan Rus and where the people were going and what they were doing and how they lived in their lives. But it actually focused mainly on the leaders of Russia, which is how I started this podcast way back when in April of 2010. Uh, We're going to start with Vladimir the Great, or Vladimir the First, who Christianized the Rus, and this is about how he made the decision to do so. So it's a very fascinating uh, listen, so hope you enjoy it. Vladimir then began to reign alone in Kiev, and he set up idols on the hill outside the castle and the hall, one of Perun made of wood, with a head of silver, and a mouth of gold, and others of Kors, Dajbog, Strybog, Simarg, and Mokosh. The people sacrificed to them, calling them gods, and bought their sons and their daughters to sacrifice them to these devils. They desecrated the earth with their offerings, and the land of Rus and this hill were defiled with blood. Vladimir was visited by Turkic Bulgarians of the Mohammedan faith, who said, Though you are a wise and prudent prince, you have no religion. Adopt our faith and revere Mahomet. Vladimir inquired what was the nature of their religion. They replied that they believed in God, and that Mahomet instructed them to practice circumcision, to eat no pork, to drink no wine, and, after death, promised them complete fulfillment of their carnal desires. Mahomet, they asserted, will give each man seventy fair women. They also spoke other false things, which out of modesty may not be written down. Vladimir listened to them, for he was fond of women and indulgence, regarding what he heard with pleasure. But circumcision and abstinence from pork and wine were disagreeable to him. Drinking, said he, is the joy of the Rus'. We cannot exist without that pleasure. Then came the Germans, asserting that they were come as emissaries of the Pope. They added, Thus says the Pope Your country is like our country, but your faith is not as ours, for our faith is the light. We worship God who has made heaven and earth, the stars, the moon, and every creature, while your gods are only wood. Vladimir inquired what their teachings was. They replied, Fasting according to one's strength, but whatever one eats or drinks is all to the glory of God. Then Vladimir answered, Depart hence. Our fathers accepted no such principle. The Jewish Khazars heard of these missions, and came themselves, saying, We have learned that Bulgarians and Christians have hitherto instructed instruct you in their faiths. We believe in the one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Vladimir inquired about their religion. They replied that its tenets included circumcision, not to eat pork or hare, and observing the Sabbath. The prince then asked where their native land was, and they replied that it is in Jerusalem. When Vladimir inquired where that was, they made an answer. God was angry at our forefathers and scattered us among the Gentiles on account of our sins. Our land was then given to the Christians. The prince then demanded, How can you hope to teach others while you yourselves are cast out and scattered abroad by the hand of God? If God loved you in your faith, you would not be thus dispersed in foreign lands. Do you expect us to accept that fate also? Vladimir summoned together his vassals and the city elders and said to them, Behold, the Bulgarians came before me, urging me to accept their religion. Then came the Germans and praised their own faith. And after them came the Jews. Finally, the Greeks appeared, criticizing all other faiths, but commending their own. And they spoke at length, telling the history of the whole world from its beginnings. Their words were artful, and it was wondrous to listen and pleasant to hear them. They preached the existence of another world. Whoever adopts our religion and then dies shall arise and live forever. But whosoever embraces another faith shall be consumed with fire in the next world. What is your opinion on this subject, and what do you answer? The vassals and the elders replied, You know, O prince, that no man condemns his own possessions but praises them instead. If you desire to make certain, you have servants at your disposal. Send them to inquire about the ritual of each and how he worships God. Their counsel pleased the prince and all the people, so that they chose good and wise men to the number of ten, and directed them to go first among the Bulgarians inspect their faith. The emissaries went their way, and when they arrived at their destination, They beheld the disgraceful actions of the Bulgarians, and their worship in the mosque. Then they returned to their own country. Vladimir then instructed them to go likewise amongst the Germans, and examine their faith, and finally to visit the Greeks. They thus went into Germany, and after viewing the German ceremonial, they proceeded to Tsargrad, where they appeared before the emperor. He inquired on what mission they had come, and they reported to him all that had occurred. When the emperor heard the words, he rejoiced, and did them great honor on that very day. On the morrow the emperor sent a message to the patriarch to inform him that a Russian delegation had arrived to examine the Greek faith, and directed him to prepare the church and the clergy, and to array himself in his sacrimonial robes, so that the Rus may behold the glory of the God of the Greeks. When the patriarch received these commands, he bade the clergy assemble and they performed the customary rites. They burned incense and the choirs sang hymns. The emperor accompanied the rus to the church and placed them in a wide space, calling their attention to the beauty of the edifice, the chanting, and the offices of the archpriest and the ministry of the deacons, while he explained to them the worship of his god. The rus were astonished, and in their wonder praised the Greek ceremony. Then the emperors Basil and Constantine invited the envoys to their presence, and said, Go hence to your native country, and thus dismissed them with valuable presents and great honor. Thus they returned to their own country, and the prince called together his vassals and the elders. Vladimir then announced the return of his envoys, who had been sent out, and suggested that their report be heard. He thus commanded them to speak out before his vassals. The envoys retorted, When we journeyed among the Bulgarians, we beheld how they worship in their temple, called a mosque, while they stand ungirt. The Bulgarian bows, sits down, looks hither and thither like one possessed, and there is no happiness among them, but also just sorrow and a dreadful stench. The religion is not good. Then we went among the Germans and saw them performing many ceremonies in their temples, but we beheld no glory there. Then we went on to Greece, and the Greeks led us to the edifices where they worshipped their God, and we knew not whether we were in heaven, on, or earth. For on earth there is no such splendor or such beauty, and we are at a loss how to describe it. We only know that God dwells there among men and their service is fairer than the ceremonies of other nations. Vladimir then inquired where they should all accept baptism, and they replied that the decision rested with him. After a year had passed, in 988, Vladimir marched with an armed force against Kherson, a Greek city, and the people of Kherson barricaded themselves in. Vladimir halted at the farther side of the city and besieged the town. Then a man of Kyrgyzstan, Anastasius by name, shot into the Rus camp an arrow on which he had written, There are springs behind you to the east, from which water flows in pipes. Dig down and cut them off. When Vladimir received this information, he raised his eyes to heaven and vowed if this hope was realized, he would be baptized. He gave orders straightway to dig down above the pipes, and the water supply was thus cut off. The inhabitants were accordingly overcome by thirst and surrendered. Vladimir and his retinue entered the city, and he sent messages to the emperors Basil and Constantine, saying, Behold, I have captured your glorious city. I have also heard that you have an unwedded sister. Unless you give her to me, to wife, I shall deal with your own city, as I have with Kyrson. When the emperors heard this message, they were troubled and replied, It is not meet for Christians to give in marriage to pagans. If you are baptized, you shall have her to wife, inherit the kingdom of God, and be our companion in the faith. Unless you do so, however, we cannot give you our sister in marriage. When Vladimir learned their response, he directed the envoys of the emperors to report to the latter that he was willing to accept baptism, having already given some study to their religion, and that the Greek faith and ritual as described by the emissaries sent to examine it, had pleased him well. When the emperors heard this report, they rejoiced and persuaded their sister Anna to consent to the match. They then requested Vladimir to submit to baptism before they should send their sister to him. But Vladimir desired that the princess should herself bring priests to baptize him. The emperors complied with this request and set forth their sister accompanied by some dignitaries and priests. Anna, however, departed with reluctance. It is if I were setting out to the captivity, she lamented. Better were it for me to die here. But her brothers protested. Through your agency, God turns the land of Rus to repentance, and you will relieve Greece from the danger of grievous war." Vladimir was baptized in the Church of St. Basil, which stands at Kherson, upon a square in the center of the city, where the Khersonians trade. After his baptism, Vladimir took the princess in marriage. Those who do not know the truth say he was baptized in Kiev, while others assert this event took place in Vasiliev, while still others mention other places. When the prince arrived at his capital, he directed that the idols should be overthrown, and that some should be cut to pieces and others burned with fire. He thus ordered that Perun should be bound to a horse's tail and dragged along Borchev to the river. He appointed twelve men to beat the idol with sticks, not because he thought the wood was sensitive, but to affront the demon who had deceived man in this guise. After they had thus dragged the idol along, they cast it into the Dnieper River. Thereafter Vladimir sent heralds throughout the whole city to proclaim that if any inhabitant, rich or poor, did not betake himself to the river, he would risk the prince's displeasure. On the morrow the prince went forth to the Dnieper with the priests of the princess and those from Kyrsan, and a countless multitude assembled. They all went into the water. Some stood up to their necks, others to their breasts. The younger, near the bank, while the adults waited further out. The priests stood by and offered prayers. There was joy in heaven, and upon earth to behold so many souls saved. Well, I hope you enjoyed that Uh, announcement I want to make, and I made this in the last episode, that we have a new blog site, and it's the RussianRulersHistory.com blog site, and we've got interesting information, one on the Primary Chronicles on Michael of Tver, on Avakum and the Old Believers, amongst other information. We're going to be updating it on a regular basis. So I hope, uh, you, you know, pay a visit and, you know, you, you can leave a comment, uh, make a suggestion or ask a question there. So as always, Das i y Spasiba